going on? Happy Thursday to you and to me and to Bernie to a lesser extent behind the board and uh, our resident millennial. Uh, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, The Pete Callender Show. I am the Pete of the show here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. You can email me, Pete, at com, And, of course, I am on the Twitter machine, at Pete Callender. That's with a K. I was told to remind people of that, of the spelling. Um, uh, on the program today at 2 o'clock, so in the third hour, we're going to talk with Michelle Woodhouse. She is running against Madison Cawthorn out in the 11th District. Uh, and then um, uh, the second hour, so at 1 o'clock, we're going to be talking with B.K. McGinnis. He's running against Sherry Beasley in the Democrat primary. After he asked to be on the program today during an exchange that occurred on Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter, you haven't seen this, but if you do have a Twitter profile, you can jump on there and take a look at how uh, at how this discourse <clears throat> went leading up to the one o'clock interview. So looking forward to that. Um, but I want to start with a simple question. How stupid is Chuck Schumer? Seriously, I'm... <laughs> Look, I don't engage in the personal attacks like this usually. There are some people I make exceptions for. Um, you know, generally, if somebody wants to engage at a particular level, I will engage with them at the level they prefer. And so if you want to troll, then I will engage you as the troll you are. If uh, you want to talk policy, I will engage with you at the policy level. But with Schumer, I'm... I am at a loss. I, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm at a loss as to why you would force this vote, knowing it's not going to pass, knowing you're not even going to get 50 votes. You're not even going to get a tie. You lost the vote. Lost it. Although, I don't know. That's Well, this is, oh, hang on a second. Let me go ahead and just pull this uh, audio. I was going to get to this later, but I'll, I'll do it now. We'll do it live. Um, here is um, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, um, very mad, big mad, you might say, uh, about losing this vote, even though she believes, I guess, that they got more votes on this than 50 or something. I believe in democracy. Yeah. And I don't believe that the minority should have the ability to block things that the majority want to do. That's not the Constitution. What we're talking about right, right now... Hang, hang on a second. It actually, it actually is in the Constitution. That's what the Senate was for. The Senate was constructed in order to represent the interests of the state, the, the, the states that had signed on. Right? That was, that's the idea. So the, so the majority cannot run roughshod over minority rights... The, that the minority would be able to have influence and be able to even dictate, yes, if they could band together, if all the states can band together for a single cause or something, they could actually outvote in the U.S. Senate. They could outvote the uh, the passions that are represented in the House of Representatives, right, which are direct elected. Of course, the U.S. senators were not directly elected at that point by popular vote. They uh, popular vote. They were appointed by state legislatures which was undone during the you know progressive uh, era in the early 1900s. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson. So, and no, I'm not thanking Woodrow Wilson. I hate Woodrow Wilson. 
I mean, how can you like anybody whose initials are essentially like World War? I kid Woodrow Wilson. I kid. Um, so Elizabeth Warren, big mad that somehow or another democracy is not playing out in the Senate because they couldn't even get 50 votes. I'm going to re-rack this audio. And we're going we're, to we're play from the beginning so you can hear Senator Warren's incomprehension of math for yourself. Uh, all right, rack it. Rack it. I believe in democracy. Yeah. We and do. I don't believe that the minority should have the ability to block things that the majority want to do. That's not the Constitution. What we're talking about right now are the individual rights and liberties of half the population of the United States of America. I think that's enough to say it's time to get rid of the filibuster. We need to protect the oh. rights. We need to protect women's rights. And understand this, Mitch McConnell has made clear, they're coming after everybody. So we need to do this, get it on the board. What? So did Chuck Schumer run this vote in order to make a case for scrapping the filibuster? Spoiler alert, they don't have the votes for that either. This is why I asked the initial question. Is he an idiot or what? Why would you do this? Now, as far as Elizabeth Warren is concerned, um, Jim Treacher points out that you would think, you would assume that Senator Warren would know what a minority is considering how many decades she claimed to be one. Right? I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so Chuck Schumer, after... After the vote goes down in flames, he is asked in an interview if this vote is the first step that the senator is going to take to protect abortion rights, what's the second step? You want to know what his answer was on the second step? I'm going to read this quote to you. Well, the bottom line is very simple, and that is this is the first time this is no longer just an abstract exercise. Now we know women's rights are at stake, so this vote is the first step. We are going to keep fighting, and we will be pursuing the best path forward. Remember, the question was, what's the second step? And his answer is that this wasn't an abstract exercise. That was the first step that we just did, and now we're going to keep fighting. So I know, yes, I, I, am, I am sort of, I'm sort of compiling a whole bunch of evidence that Schumer is, in fact, an idiot, um, a la Pundit at HotAir.com, congratulating Schumer for his uh, visionary leadership and his master stroke, providing Democrats couldn't get a no-restrictions abortion bill through even if the filibuster were gone. That's a solid morale booster for pro-choicers right before the midterms, right? Someday I'll figure out what the point of the exercise was, but that day is not today. Here's a question. When a vote goes 49 to 51, which side is more likely to be the extreme one? 49 to 51, knowing nothing about the issue, is, it doesn't even matter. Take abortion out of this question. You're just looking at the vote total. You have a 49 to 51 vote. Which one 
what you automatically assume is the more radical position, the more extreme position, the one that got 49 votes or the one that got 51 votes. Harris was there for reasons unclear. Vice President Harris. Yeah, she presided over this <laughs> this stupidity. Why? They needed the only reason she would be there is in case they needed 60 votes. Well, they did. They needed 60 votes to advance the bill, not 50. What vote, what tie did she think she was there to break? They had already been told that this wasn't going to get majority support. It wasn't. In fact, the the vote against it was bipartisan. Why was she there? The only conclusion for Democrats is that Republicans remain nervous about a backlash or the only consolation rather is that Republicans remain nervous about a backlash. That's it. That's the only consolation they get out of this. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Allah pundit at hotair.com writing that the only consolation for Democrats after the failure of that vote yesterday is that Republicans remain palpably nervous about a backlash at the polls if Roe goes down. Remember, uh, he's well, he was saying yesterday he posted about Sean Hannity reassuring his viewers on Fox News that abortion won't be going anywhere, even if the 50-year dream of dumping Roe comes true. Surreally, he did it again last night. Then there's Ron Johnson, U.S. Senator, also taking the no biggie line on the prospect of social conservatives, finally securing a glorious legal victory after decades of trying. Gosh, a cynic might think these guys are not exactly overjoyed to have Roe finally off the books. That could be it. Um, Here's another idea. Maybe they're worried that if they spike the football right now, that a conservative justice that's on that 5-4 opinion might flip before the final opinion gets drafted. Maybe they water it down somewhat. Maybe the pressure campaign, the the intimidation campaign at the houses of the judges, maybe it works, right? Maybe all of that works and you get somebody on the 5-4 majority that caves. So maybe they're not trying to... Uh, well, maybe it's not that they're not celebrating because they're not happy. Maybe they're not celebrating because they don't want to jinx it or they don't want to give some people a reason uh, to peel off. He says, uh, and then he cites a poll here. It's a Monmouth poll. When you ask people whether Congress should legalize abortion, ban it, or leave it to the states, 44% say that Congress should pass a law allowing it. See, this is, and I'm going to get into this in a bit. The problem with abortion uh, uh, polling. It's a very complex topic, and the polls usually are written so poorly or they're designed to induce certain responses. So should Congress write a law to legalize abortion? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? In all cases, for how long, right? Any limitations, no restrictions, what? We don't know. They just say pass a law allowing, pass a law banning, or leave it up to the states. Okay? So 44% say pass a law allowing it. 
43% say leave it up to the states. So it's split. It's an even split. And then there's this other group. Well, there's the 3% that doesn't know. But then there's 9%. And that 9% says ban it. Congress should pass a law that's, that, that bans it. So what does that tell you? There is not a big push among Republicans or pro-lifers to have Congress pass a law. Right? That's what that says. 9%, that's it. But 43% say leave it up to the states, which is, that's the conservative position. That's always been the position, has it not? Leave it to the states. Then you fight it out at the state level, and states can enact various restrictions as they choose. And if you don't like those uh, positions that a state adopts, then you throw the people out that adopted those standards. All right, I will get to the polling on this in a second. First, this is uh, Tyler. Welcome to the program, Tyler. Hey, Pete. Good hey. afternoon. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm all right. What's up? Well, uh, for those that don't don't know, I'm running for United States Congress here in District 12 in the Charlotte area. But I wanted to call in because, um, coincidentally, I just happened to be at the Cabarrus Women's Center uh, just about an hour ago, and I was listening to the show, and certainly this vote that happened last night is kind of relevant to, to what I just experienced. And I saw you arguing with one of the gentlemen uh, <laughs> running for Senate. So yeah. I thought it'd be a good topic to discuss. Well, what, what, uh, what was that? What did you, you, you said know, you I saw would, something that was relevant? Yeah. I would just encourage people to maybe take a tour of this Cabarrus women's center. Uh, I, you know, I've been pro-life all my life, uh, and, and have supported, um, you know, the unborn and certainly fight for them. But, but the gentleman you're arguing with on, on Twitter and, and others that are, that, that believe in abortion should, should take a look at this because a heartbeat, uh, begins at, at, at five weeks. And to be in the room where they do the ultrasounds was, was just moving for me. And, uh, you know, the left likes to paint this picture that, that we need to protect the, the, the woman and, and, and women of rape and things, but that's a very small percentage we cannot continue to murder these children um, and, and not give them a fighting chance. So you're running for Congress in the 12th district. This is the one that they drew as a consolation prize for Jeff Jackson. Is that right? Is, uh, that's, just, yeah. that's District 14. 12 oh. encompasses Huntersville, Kannapolis, Concord, Mint Hill, Matthews area. I got you. So how's the campaign going? It's, it's wonderful. We're looking forward to the to the primary on Tuesday. We've been out hustling for nearly 12 months now before we even knew the knew the district lines and 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 we're knocking thousands of doors and interacting with business owners and you know the 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 attitude on on the ground is we we truly believe a red wave is coming even in district 12 because uh we're, we're speaking with democrats that are uh for instance working in their in their businesses because they can't find people to work there's a gentleman driving to mint hill every day that owns a sandwich shop uh, because he cannot find people to work in his business. And he said, I regret my 2020 vote. Uh, I had another gentleman the other day that, that said, you know, Alma Adams needs to go and spend time with her grandkids, and he's a Democrat. So that is the, uh, that is the pulse on the ground right now between independents, some Democrats, and certainly the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck on the campaign trail. We'll, uh, we'll, and I think we were trying to get you on, uh, uh, but I appreciate you checking in. The website, by the way, is votetylerlee.com. VoteTylerLee.com.
Totally my fault. Totally. Well, actually, it was the coffee machine's fault. Not my fault, but my fault for setting the coffee cup again for the refill. Because it's one of those cup things where you, yeah, I've never been a fan. Put it in, fills it up, and then I get all the coffee grounds all in the, because it, whatever. Totally my fault. Anyway, um, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So I promised that I would talk about the abortion polls and why they are garbage. Um, it's actually David Hersani's piece at National Review. Uh, love me some David Hersani. He talks about how the questions that are usually asked in polls and the way that those results are then framed inside of media accounts conflate complex and different issues in order to advance one particular narrative. He says the leak of the draft opinion has prompted all of these stories uh, from media that's gone into hyperdrive trying to obscure the real contours of the debate. For example, question that gets asked is, should Roe v. Wade be overturned? Should it be overturned? First of all, that's a completely irrelevant query. Whether or not people think the law should be overturned or not doesn't make them correct. Okay, I, I'm, I hate to point out the obvious, but people hold lots of opinions about things that they are ignorant of and that they are wrong about, right? So simply asking people, do you think it should be overturned? Oh, I'm sorry, are, are you a lawyer? you have any kind of expertise in this area? Did you just answer the phone because you were lonely? And, oh, hey, there's a pollster. I'll, yeah, sure, I'll talk about it. What's the topic? Abortion? I know nothing about it. Go ahead, fire away. The court exists not to care what polls tell them. That's literally the point. It is insulated from the passions of the people. It is there to interpret the law as it has been passed, right? And on what constitutional grounds do the Americans uh, who say we should uh, uh, overturn Roe v. Wade or keep it in place? Like, what are the constitutional grounds for it to be upheld? Are they asked to explain their answer? No, of course not. It's usually just dial one for yes, two for no. There's tons of evidence actually illustrating that other than in the broadest terms, most Americans have no idea what Roe even entails. A more worthwhile line of inquiry would be, do you believe the issue of abortion should be a protected constitutional right or should voters be able to decide the issue on a state level? Right? That's, that's an actual question Harsani submits. That is an actual question that gets at the heart of the debate. It properly lays out the reality of the choices that we are facing now. And I I suspect this is what has caused some bit of cognitive dissonance in the population is that they're not aware of what the argument is actually about. They don't know what these issues underlying the, uh, the topic are about. The question should be, do you believe the issue of abortion should be a protected constitutional right or should voters be able to decide the issue on a state level? Because that's the that's going to be the first thing. Do you put it into the U.S. Constitution, which, by the way, that would then entail a whole process. 
And I know there are rules regarding constitutional amendments. And, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard to get a constitutional amendment passed. Can we just get some lawyer with a wardrobe change to tell us to do it? Come on. What else? Oh, he says this would mean informing people being questioned in these polls. You would have to tell them that overturning Roe does not necessarily mean a ban on abortions. See, but the media has conflated these two things that Overturning Roe v. Wade equals abortion bans automatically. And that's not true. Now, in some states, true, but not in every state. Hashtag not all states. It's not everywhere. States are going to be able to decide. And by the way, even states that have uh, some of them have already written laws that would trigger um, if the if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, then these laws would immediately go into effect. They had written them, you know, years ago in some cases for uh, for this type of uh uh, challenge And so, yes, there are some states that would do that. But here's the thing. You can still change that law at the state level. You can. Yeah, yeah, you can go. And it's a lot easier to convince state lawmakers to change laws and tweak laws, amend laws. They can do that way easier than getting a case run all the way to, uh, to the Supreme Court and having them overturn or uphold or find new carve outs or whatever. It's very difficult to get it all the way up there because they set up all these rules in previous rulings and such that prevent them from just overturning a bunch of stuff all willy-nilly. So why are pollsters posing these inexact theoretical questions about abortion when they can actually ask precise ones that would properly gauge where the public stands on the debate that we are actually having right now? For example, Chuck Schumer's stupid bill, the Women's Health Protection Act, or the WAPA, right, has tangible policy components that you could actually ask people about. And these components reflect the Democratic Party's position on abortion. So the pollsters don't even have to guess about this. You just read through what's in the bill, say, do you agree or not? I'll tell you what some of those questions might be, what they might sound like. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm not going to do that to Bernie twice. I mean, in an hour. I may do it in another hour. No, I'm kidding. Alrighty, so some of the questions that pollsters could ask if they're actually interested in figuring out, as David Harsani at National Review calls it, the contours of the debate, the real contours of the debate over abortion. Because the Democrats just ran this bill. Chuck Schumer and his eminent stupidity, ran this bill, and he got everybody on the record, and so now we know where the Democratic Party stands. So, for example, here's some easy questions that you could ask the general public based on the the bill. Do you support the Democratic Party effort to legalize abortion through all nine months of pregnancy on demand for any reason in all 50 states? Right? All nine months of pregnancy on demand Every state. That's in the bill. That's what they supported. By the way, that's not a codification of Roe v. Wade. Even even if you are reading the Associated Press, 
They're lying to you. They are misleading you. Zeke Miller. This is the guy who's the head of the uh, White House Correspondents Association, I believe. The people who put on the uh, the yuck fest, you know. Zeke Miller from the AP put out a tweet saying Senate Democrats bill to write Roe v. Wade into law blocked by GOP led filibuster as Supreme Court weighs abortion case. There's, I mean, I'm not sure you could muck this up worse unless you tried. And even then, I'm not sure. Writing Roe v. Wade into law is not what the bill did. It was not blocked by a GOP-led filibuster. It was blocked by a majority vote, 51 to 49. It did not pass. It did not pass cloture. It did not get out. It could not pass on its own. That's it. This had nothing to do... Nothing to do with the GOP filibustering and why we need to blow up the filibuster, which is exactly what the Democrats are trying to argue now. What, that's what Elizabeth Warren in her bad math was trying to make this case. And you can tell as she's saying it, you're like, oh, 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 this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So she has to shift gears. And that's why it sounded so dumb. So how about this question? Poll question. Do you support the Democrats' efforts to prohibit states from passing laws that forbid abortions after viability? Should states be allowed to pass a law that says you cannot have an abortion if it's past viability? Why is that term important? Well, that comes from Roe v. Wade and Casey, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. These, these are the standards. And by the way, Roe v. Wade, this is the, the, uh, why the lie that, oh, this only would have codified Roe. No, it would not have. In fact, Planned Parenthood versus Casey upended Roe. Changed Roe. So the trimester guidelines, which, by the way, if you were codifying Roe, you would have put the, the trimester guidelines in there. But they didn't. They didn't do that. They just said free for all till the day of birth. Totally fine. Do you support the Democrats' efforts to prohibit states from passing laws that forbid after viability? Because this was the Casey standard of viability. So people who wanted the bill yesterday... They're actually voting to go further than Roe and further than Casey. Do you support the Democrats' efforts to prohibit states from passing laws against sex-selective abortions? So, in other words, should a state be allowed to pass a law that bans abortions based on gender? Do you have a problem with that? Should I be able to... Have the abortion based solely on the gender that the baby's going to be. Oh, I didn't want another girl. Oh, I didn't want a boy. Whatever. Do you support Democrats' efforts to overturn existing laws that would require parental or guardian notification for minors? Do parents have a right to know that their kid is going in for a medical procedure? Do you agree with Democrats that non-doctors should be given the right to perform abortions through all nine months of pregnancy? You okay with that? Do you agree with the Democratic Party's efforts to strip medical workers of conscience rights and compel them to participate in abortion procedures or lose their jobs? Democrats, including Joe Biden, want to eliminate the Hyde Amendment so that the federal government can fund abortions through nine months with taxpayer dollars. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with the Biden administration that more abortions are vital in keeping down the poor population increasing labor force participation, and helping the economy. Do you agree with that? A few years ago, 
Republicans in Congress tried to pass a 20-week limit on abortions. Do you think such a limit is reasonable? 20 weeks. Unreasonable? Reasonable. In Florida and Mississippi, Republican governors have signed laws limiting legal abortions to the first 15 weeks of pregnancy. Would you support similar limits in your state? Right? These are actual questions that can tease out people's views beyond instead, like, what do we get here? Politico. Should women who have abortions be thrown in prison? Who's advocating that? Who's advocating that? Not even the bills that uh, have been run in states that allow you to sue. Not even those do that. That's it. There's never been a serious pro-life bill that proposes jail time. When Trump made a comment about it, he walked it back. And for Trump to walk something back, you know. But he didn't. That's the thing. He, he didn't know all of the contours of the debate. So when he got asked this question, he bricked it. But then he had to do some cleanup afterwards. To his credit, it's never been a part of the pro-life agenda. But maybe that's why they keep asking these types of questions.